G'day everyone, welcome to the MJ Cast, episode 70. Thank you for joining us on our Michael Jackson and Jackson Family podcast. The recording date today is Saturday the 18th of November, so a little bit earlier than release. But today is a regular news and discussion episode. So we're going to be talking about lots of news across the Jackson family, including Paris Jackson, Catherine Jackson, there's a whole bunch. There's also the new video from Sony for the mashup, Blood on the Dance Floor, X Dangerous, The White Panda, longest title in the world. Video has been released, Janet News, and MJ Books. There's some cool stuff we can talk about there. And the main discussion topic today is the CBS animated TV special, Michael Jackson's Halloween. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. The following is a presentation from the MJ cast. The internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. You're listening to the MJ Cast by MJ fans or MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why, why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's that's one of my favorite things. Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news and discussion on the King of Pop. Jamin, welcome to episode 70 of the MJ Cast. Hey, how are you, Q? I'm great. Thank you for joining me again, and let's get a, a little news and discussion episode out for a change. Yeah, well, this season's probably seen the, the least of uh, any season in terms of news and, and discussion, so it's good to be doing another one. Yeah, I miss some of our discussions. Yeah, me too. Me too. How have you been lately? Um, good. I'm tired. I had a really late shift yesterday and didn't get home till like a bit before midnight. So that's way past my bedtime. And But I have uh, a busy week ahead. I've got a week off work and I'll be helping uh, a mate do big garden landscaping job and hopefully won't get injured from that. And then at the end of that, I'll be flying to a friend's place for his 40th birthday. Cool. That yeah, sounds like that fun. would be good. And I get to dress up because it's a costume party. And we know how much you love dressing up. It, well, it's been a long time. This Halloween was the first time in a long time. So I had some uh, Halloween parties that I went to, which was a good timing. So I got to trial the costume for my mate's 40th and it went down well. Of course, there was a picture of that on Twitter, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was on Twitter. That's awesome, that 80s rock star look. We had a few people say you look like Jennifer Batten. <laughs> yeah, well, I get that. She, that's what her style was. It was yeah. like that. And the mate that lent me a wig, it was a blonde wig, so I can understand that. But, yeah, I really like that sort of music too, like the, you know, the glam rock, hair metal rock, Motley Crude, you know, Def Leppard, Poison. I really like that music. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, everything's good. How about yourself? I know that you've uh, just finished up the school year. Yeah, well, oh no, not quite. I still have not a quite. couple of weeks to go, yeah. But um, I am finishing up the school year and have some pretty awesome news to share with people. After seven years of living in a really rural, remote um, town in Queensland, Australia called Moranbar. I, I, I think people don't understand what remote means in this context. Uh, remote meaning like... If I want to go to uh, a cinema, I have to drive three hours. And if you want to drive to the capital city, 
12 hours. 12 hours. I live 12 very, hour very rural. drive, which you have done <laughs> recently. Uh, yeah, many times and recently. Um, and yeah, the good news is that I have been successful in getting a new job in Brisbane. Um, I'll be doing the same role that I'm doing now, so a head of Department of Humanities, uh, but at a school in Brisbane, which I'm very excited for. And in just a few weeks, really, um, I think at this point, three, yeah, three weeks away, uh, I'll be moving Lee and Olivia and myself to East Brisbane. Thank goodness. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's great news. Congratulations. I am very happy with this news and development, and uh, it means I get to see you more. Yeah, it's going to be fun, and uh, we'll be able to record in person sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Do, do I have to bring that big heavy mic that you don't like <laughs> over so you can look at it and configure it properly? No, you need to sell that one, and we need to buy you a proper studio mic um, like I've got. And that one, I don't even know if you'd be able to travel with that. Let me, We'll figure something out. Maybe if we start getting some money somehow for what we do at some point, we'll, we'll look at it and you're a really good mic. <laughs> <laughs> no one going to be paying us. <laughs> we'll see. So, um, wow. yeah, we've got a couple of little things are good um, and it's been very busy. Yeah, yeah, super busy. And so much has happened in the MJ world in particular. We've been trying to scramble and cover it all in our OneNote, like copying and pasting all the different news stories ready to talk about them. But we've had those two big specials well really uh, we had yeah we had joe vogel Oleray, and then charles did his thing recently so we haven't had news for a little while we've got a few little follow-up items to cover before we get into the news and obviously one development in particular in the michael jackson podcast world is that um our former co-hosts the mj cast and espanol crew sandra ali and jason have gone off to do their own thing now which we're very excited for and supportive of they've got a few different directions they want to take their brand and show in which we think is going to be really cool they want to do it under the banner mj radio um, they've already set up their social media accounts i know they've recorded at least one episode and hopefully it comes out pretty soon but i uh, just wanted to say best of luck to those guys we've had an awesome time working with them um, over the past year uh, it's been awesome to see them grow into what they are now they're such a important sort of um entity i guess in the spanish speaking michael jackson world now and we can't wait for them to start covering news and giving great discussion on developments in the mj world in spanish so best of luck mj radio congratulations guys it's so they just grow up so fast and leave the home <laughs> so they've gone to spread their wings and to to do their own thing so if you Follow them on Facebook. They're going to have their own Facebook account now and Instagram. Uh, and if you followed them on Twitter, you would have noticed that the uh, branding and the name changed on Twitter. So if you're following the MJ Cast ESP on Twitter, you will see that you are now following uh, MJ Radio. And so you're automatically following them on Twitter. Awesome. That's good. So all the best, guys. Well done. Um, something else we spoke, I think earlier in the season or maybe last season about the upcoming documentary by Craig Williams, the, we've spoken every season about this documentary. We have, it's called Michael Jackson, the last photo shoots. It is going to be awesome when it comes out. It's and still not out guys. Don't get excited. This is not an announcement that it's out because it's still in litigation in court. Yeah, it's not that Craig doesn't want it out. We actually spoke to him recently on Facebook and he 
he wants it out, but it's being held up in court. Um, we are going to get him on the show at some point when the sh- when the documentary is ready to come out. We'll talk all about what happened. Um, I'm guessing it's the estate trying to hold him up, claiming that he doesn't own the rights to the footage, but in actual fact, he does. What's happened recently, and it's, I feel very sorry for him, is somebody got their hands on all the original footage that he used to put the documentary together. Now, they didn't leak all the footage, but they leaked quite a bit of it, probably... 10 or so minutes or maybe a bit more the footage they leaked is michael jackson uh in a photo shoot for ebony magazine he is um or is it vogue i can't remember actually it's vogue i know it's vogue and he's um he's actually the reason i know that it's the original footage is because in the film version it's got different music like you see michael doing all of his things and posing for the the shots but he's cut it with different music because he wasn't allowed to use the music actually playing in the background, which is the Thriller album and other Michael Jackson songs. And in the footage that's leaked, just like Charles talked about on his recent Q&A episode, you can see Michael literally singing along to songs like Lady in My Life and pretty much performing for the cameras. It's a shame for Craig because now when people see the movie, they're not going to be as... Shocked. Oh, not shocked, but what's the word I'm looking for? Well, it's spoiled, like spoiler alert. Yeah. There are huge portions in the film that are not from the Vogue shoot. There's the Ebony shoot. Michael Jackson is in a giant museum, and there's heaps of footage of him not just being shot by the cameras, but walking around and looking at art and sculptures and commenting on them, and that's still all going to be in there, and you'll get to see that without it being leaked, I hope. But best of luck for Craig in getting that film out. Yeah, this was the the uh, black and white photo shoot for Lumo Vogue. Mm. And yeah, yeah. So if you're looking at our social media accounts and wondering why we're not sharing this, uh, usually we do share this kind of thing because it's news. But it happens to be the case that we have a relationship with Craig and we value that relationship. And we know for a fact that he's really disappointed that all this footage has come out. So we're doing our part to not share that around the web so that when his um, documentary comes out, people can enjoy it for the first time. If you're that desperate, you can find it elsewhere, just not on our account. Yeah, it's easy to find. Anyway, last bit of follow-up. I believe Charlie Thompson did a Q&A. He did. So you're the only one that hasn't done one yet. <laughs> I'm hoping to do one. <laughs> yeah, we'll try and schedule that before the end of this year. Yeah, my benchmark is 41 questions. We'll see if I can <laughs> I don't think Too I Too many crickets. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, good, good on you, Charles. You did a great job. You saved the release schedule. Look, if you are wanting to contact Charles, uh, just... Just hit him up on at C.E. Thompson without the P on Twitter, especially if you have additional feedback for him or you have additional questions based on things you might have heard in the episode and you want to ask his opinion on, on things a little bit more. Just hit him up on Twitter. I know he loves to chat about Michael Jackson. Cool. Let's do some news. Let's get to it. Can I do this one? Yeah. What's the first cab off the rank? All right, let's let's go back to a victory era, and this is not big news, but I liked it. It was cool. Uh, the illustrator of the amazing and probably one of my favorite album covers ever, the Victory album cover, Michael Whelan has revealed some concept art for the album cover. Love it. Pretty cool. 
absolutely cool. I am a big fan of Michael Whelan. He's won many, many awards. Hugo Awards, I think they're called. Great artist. And I love the science fiction aesthetic in general. You know how much of a science fiction nut I am. Um, so this is this is great to see the original design for what he wanted the Victory album to look like. Uh, it's by far my favorite Jackson's album cover, I think. I, I mean, I love Triumph and Destiny as well, but there's just something about this cover. I love it how the road like extends way back into the distance, then goes up into the galaxy. It's and the and the brothers just look so damn cool. I love it, and it's cool seeing the original concept for it as well. Yeah, very awesome, and not a huge amount changed. the 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 idea of it is there in these earlier concepts. Yeah, some some little touches were added later. Like you can see in this one, there was um there was a controversial addition and removal on the cover at some point. Some of the earlier prints of the cover, I believe, had a dove on one of the brothers' shoulders. It might have it's been on, um, yeah, it's Randy's shoulder. I've actually got yeah, I have an edition of that with the dove. Well, that's quite rare because after that came out. Um, I believe the pressings after that actually had the dove removed and I've never been able to figure out why. Um, I've heard weird rumors that it was something to do with Prince not wanting the dove on it or something, which I think is just total rubbish. (laughs) How can Prince own a copyright to a dove? Yeah, (laughs) Um, I don't know. So uh, that's interesting that the original concept doesn't have the dove either. So it must have been someone one of the jackson brothers ideas maybe to add it yeah um as much as i love the the galaxy version like the final version and and even the earlier concept i actually really like the imagery of this other concept here where it's like a mountain range behind them so i can't see that i don't know why i can't see that i'm on his tumblr yeah, so then there's little arrows on the side. You just click the arrows and it goes through all the iterations. What? Where's the? I can't even see the arrows. So on his Tumblr. Yeah. So what? what's the image you're looking at? Oh, um, so I'm looking at the black and white image right now. Yeah. And, and then if, the you ta- if, you, if you tap it. Yep. Oh, arrows. Okay, thank you. You're wow. welcome. The universe is going to implode. Q just gave me tech advice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's cool. I really like yeah. the mountain range one. I, would I haven't seen that. these. I haven't seen this one, the mountain range one. Okay, there you go. Oh, wow. I would. That's, that's beautiful. It is. It's a really cool image. It's very powerful. But I think the final version, like I'm looking at the final one now, and it. I think that's the... I, I love that futuristic, crazy structure in the background on the horizon. Like, I don't know whether it's a city or... And Some there's mountain of. stuff there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, gorgeous. I think the final one is amazing, especially, you know, the whole full full widescreen image, like when you open the album cover up and that's the whole image you get. It's perfect. Some of my favorite bits about it, I love how Michael's glove and socks are glowing. I think this was him taking his trademarks from that era, like the socks and the glove, and just amplifying the magic and making yep. it look so cool how they're glowing. I don't like the yellow shirt, though. I don't like his yellow shirt. But do you like the yellow? I never really thought yellow suited Michael very much. 
it's fine. Like, you know, come together. It suits him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I, re- I want to get, if you ever want to get me something, Q, ever, I want framed victory art. Not, doesn't have to be original. <laughs> I just got you something. Oh, you did? Yeah, actually, that was nice, that Heal the World pin. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Merry Christmas, early. <laughs> now I've got, I'm glad you got me an early Christmas present because now I've got a few weeks to plan yours. Woohoo. You don't have to get me anything at yes, all because yes, you're yes. moving house. I'll figure something out. No, please don't. I have enough stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's cool. Check it out. Follow the show notes. Have a look at the art. Next news item was something you found and it's a little retrospective video of hip-hop clips and you can hear Michael influencing them? Yes. I found this, I think it was on Twitter that I found the link. I can't remember the source, but yeah, I just, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I think um, we could share it to just remind people of Michael's influence, not just with like pop, but definitely in hip-hop. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hip-hop's, I guess, a genre that's built on sampling previous material and then rapping over it, Um, whether it's dance breaks in in James Brown's songs, whether it's samples from Jackson 5 stuff like you hear in in some of these songs. But Michael has always had a really strong relationship, I think, with rap and hip-hop. You know, whether it's him turning up to Jay-Z's Summer Jam in 2002, whether it was him and Rodney Jerkins totally reworking um, Notorious B.I.G.'s Unbelievable into Unbreakable. Michael's had a a great relationship with hip-hop for a long time and it's cool to see, like, actually his influence in hip-hop over the years. So we're going to play the little clip for you and, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Enjoy. Got a light skinned friend, look like Michael Jackson. Got a dark skinned friend, look like Michael Jackson. Two socks, do stop, forehead shiny like a new block. Yo, listen here, short cake, can they glow? You know we both make angels when we lay in the snow. Yeah. 
So little Tito Jackson mentioned in the news today, he was giving an interview and he mentioned something about Michael's unreleased music and how there would be more coming out soon. I don't think that is the case at all. That's definitely not what we've heard from the executors of the estate. That is the complete opposite of what we heard. I have no doubt that in the future there will be more unreleased stuff, but definitely not on the close horizon. It's from what we've seen and heard elsewhere. So I just think Tito knows there's other stuff and maybe – He's hoped that there's stuff coming out, but I don't think there's anything coming out soon. Yeah, so this interview is with Daily Star in the UK. It's weird that he chose to sort of talk about that stuff. I don't see a reason why the interview went in that direction, but I've got no doubt he's heard stuff, whether it's from the sessions that Michael was doing with his brothers in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, I mean... It's funny because the executors say different things. On the one hand, they're, the executors and Karen Langford, like John Branker and Karen Langford, will go out and say there's not much Michael Jackson music to be released. Like there's hardly anything left. We can't release more because there's not much left. We, we know for a fact that that's not true. That's just simply not true. There is a lot of stuff there when you talk to the actual collaborators, but... I think the confusion comes with what is releasable in the sense of complete. I think that's where people are talking about the same thing, but on different avenues. So I think there's a huge amount of stuff. I think complete, finished, polished tracks. I think there's not a lot. Well, I would... It's hard to say the exact number, but I actually would say there's a quite a bit more than we think, but not like a vault full. I don't know. Um, no. I have there's a no vault doubt. full of snippets. There's a vault full of instrumentals. random melody instrumentals and drum beats and I reckon random melodies getting hummed and with a couple of odd words definitely maybe a chorus but lacking zero like no verses on things there's i reckon a vault of that sort of stuff but there's, maybe. there's at least like i mean yeah that's true but there's at least i can think of two songs right now like we spoke we we've heard um get your weight off me right by with michael prince what well, he played that that to us was that finished yep we've heard crack We've Joe Vogel has told us that Crack Kills is finished and he has no idea why that wasn't on Bad 25. Plus, think about all the other leaked songs that are finished that have never been released. So all the Brian Loren songs from Dangerous, there, there's, there is heaps of stuff, but it just, it doesn't, that doesn't change Tito's, what he's saying. Like the executives are saying there's not a lot of stuff, but at the same time, they're also saying we're not releasing anything soon that's original music. So, and then Tito's sort of contradicting that and saying, you know, there's stuff that's coming. I don't understand how he would have any authority in that because he's not a part of the estate (laughs) in any way, unless he's talking about some kind of non-Sony release, like maybe Motown. Because I know Michael recorded solo with Motown. I don't know. If there's something coming soon, I don't think it'll be coming from the estate and Sony. 
that is the Motown and early stuff, even J5 stuff. Yeah. Wasn't there talk recently about, you know, J5 unreleased stuff? I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. But would you like that? Like, would you like um, an unreleased album of, of Motown, MJ and Jackson 5 stuff? Sure. Why not? That'd be cool. I think some stuff like that came out after he died and it sort of just didn't... It was kind of overshadowed by all the other releases that were happening then. Yeah. Well, it's not a huge market for that anymore, but sure, if it's stuff that they've got into vault, stuff that didn't make the final cut of an album, why not? They seem to, uh, if it is like a Motown sort of thing, they do seem to um, release stuff with a bit more care and respect like, look at the amazing box sets and stuff they've released in the past that we've spoken about. Hello, world. Yeah, the quality of those is beyond incredible. Yeah. Yep. All right. Dee Dee Jackson Foundation had a Heal Los Angeles fundraiser event at Havenhurst for Halloween. Sort of. It was a joint thing with Dee Dee Jackson Foundation and the Heal Los Angeles Foundation. Ah, yeah, but they had like a joint fundraiser event, uh, which took place at Havenhurst and it was actually Michael's youngest son that organized the big Halloween, uh, sort of the Halloween maze party for this. Apparently that's, that's what he does every year. He organizes this. Tell me about that. Cause I literally have no idea about what, ha- this is like the one news item we're discussing today where I've, I've seen like one photo. I don't even ha- know, have any idea what happened at the event. So blanket, this is a, a blanket thing. He organized it. Well, he organizes uh, like the Halloween sort of the scare maze, which is an attraction sort of at these charity events and uh, boys and girls club, Children come and I think there's like a a guest list of a whole bunch of celebrities. I think we saw Liam McEwen, that New Zealand YouTube interviewer guy. He was there. Darren Hayes went for two years. He went last year and this year, actually. Friend of the show. Pretty big guest list and it's like a big fundraiser. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I have huge respect for what Dee Dee Jackson Foundation does. And Hill Los Angeles, that's Prince's foundation, right? He's a member of that, yes. It was started by Daniel, I think the guy's name is, that uh, at his college and Prince works with this foundation. Super cool. I liked Prince's yeah. costume. Yes, that was a surprise. <laughs> that was the one that photo was, I saw. <laughs> that was a surprise. Wow, that was a yeah, that was a cool costume and I didn't <laughs> sort of expect something like that from Prince. So that was cool. Oh geez, I hope he's doing well. You know, there's that news recently that he was in that motorbike accident, but Yeah, he came off his bike on a wet road, which is very scary and uh, happens, I guess, when like California doesn't get a lot of rain. So when it would rain, I imagine the roads roads would get very slippery. But no, he's doing very well, and he's doing fine. I've saw him on a uh, Paris Instagram videos recently, and he's all good. Awesome.
This is Tito Jackson, and it's Tito time. And thanks for listening to the MJ cast. So we have an, another official video from Sony to Michael Jackson's song has been released. I guess that's big news. It is an official video for Blood on the Dance Floor crossed with Dangerous, the White Panda mashup, which came out because it's on the Scream album release. So they've done an official video for it, which is pretty cool. Like, it's not terrible. It's got um, some great footage in there. Yeah, it's got high-definition footage. So when I saw it, it was totally... It just knocked me off my feet. I was... I was not expecting this at all. wasn't surprised by the fact that they used ghosts and, and different footage in there, but... The fact that they used this opportunity to debut their remastered Ghosts footage really was like, what? Why now? <laughs> which, which especially because when they screened Ghosts at the Thriller 3D screenings, it was not remastered footage. No. So we this is clear evidence that they have ghosts in 1080p because that's what it is on YouTube. And if you watch it and blow it up to be on your 50-inch screen like I've done, it looks great and high definition. I have no idea why that they 
and same as Blood on the Dance Floor, actually. All the um, footage... So there's also footage from Leave Me Alone and Smooth Criminal in there, and I'm guessing that's from um, the Moonwalker remaster. Your favourite chomping teeth are in there. <laughs> yeah, it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. But I don't... I think it was a mistake, to be honest. Um, it's not going to be a massive mistake that people are going to look back on and go, oh, my God, that was terrible. But for people like me who are visual aficionados who just can't wait to get high definition stuff it would have been so much more exciting if they'd saved this and shown us in a proper setting whether it had been a cinema or a netflix release or yeah they i, I don't get it i think they so wasted should, their chance to should they us. have should they have done this video with bad quality footage is that what you mean i think that would have been better actually i think i know what you're saying like it's weird that i'm saying use bad footage but I would have not included it at all or used bad quality for the purpose of saving ghosts for the big reveal next year if they choose to do that next year. And if they don't do it? Then wait and do it properly. Don't release a total of a minute of it mixed up on a crappy remix YouTube video. (laughs) It's not worth... For me, this is not the time. This wasn't the time to present this. This is just, like, I don't even like the mashup. It's okay. It's just a little bit, okay, throw away. So why save what is maybe Michael Jackson's visually most stunning ever short film? Well, it's nearly a feature film. Why reveal that in this way? Maybe because people keep saying they should be doing stuff for Michael in the top quality, and then they did it. But they did it in a really weird way. Like, I'm just saying how I reacted. Like, I reacted going WTF. I wouldn't react that way if they said, cool, we're going to put Ghosts in the cinema or we're going to do a Netflix release of Ghosts plus the making of Ghosts in high definition. I'd be like, yes, that's awesome. But instead, they chose to reveal it in this weird mashup YouTube video that was, I don't know. It's For me, they should have waited and done, done given it a platform that it deserves its own thing, but... Yeah. You disagree? You think it was good they chose to include high-definition ghost footage in the White Panda mashup? Yep, because it was good to see it. And, like, the blood on the dance floor looked amazing in black or white. Even it would have been cool to see that in colour. Um, it was random, like, having rock well, my black world or white wasn't high-definition. No, no, so did, I, I, did I say black or white? I mean, um... Blood on the dance floor. Blood on the dance floor, yeah. That was yeah, that was definitely that was, HD. Yeah, and that would have been cool to see that in colour. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was happy to see all this clear footage. I've only watched it like twice. Yeah. Um, just to refresh myself, I watched, watched it again today. But it was great seeing the footage. You know, there's amazing MJ video mixes on YouTube that do just as good a job making um, fan mix videos this wasn't bad at all. It was fine. It was enjoyable. I think it probably added a bit more to the mix itself. Like it was enjoyable watching footage while hearing the mix. And even though it's not a bad mashup, it, I think it lifted it to a degree, but it is just a, you know, an additional track on the compilation album. It's not a main feature thing. I, I want to know what happened to the Blood on the Dance Floor video that they were meant to release with Cirque du Soleil. Who knows? 
did that come out and I miss it or what happened there? No, I don't think it came out. Oh, wasn't there some kind of... There, there was the Vegas tragedy, remember? So, the, the, so they was, said they were going to delay it, but... Yeah, like, and then it just never came out. And now it's never come out yet. Yeah. Because they're usually, like, not not terrible either. Like, they did the... What was the last year's one that the Cirque Slay people did with... Was it a place with no name or... No, Blue Gangster. I think Gangster was a couple of years ago, and I really enjoyed oh, that okay. one. Yeah, yeah, I liked that so one a lot. I'd be interested to see them dancing to Blood on the Dance Floor. Yeah. That'd be yeah. cool. All right. Well, Paris Jackson visited Australia for the Melbourne Cup. She went to Flemington, did a press tour, traveled up the East Coast to Queensland. What's, what's the Melbourne Cup in Flemington? Okay, the Melbourne Cup is where people sit on horses and race them on a track and the first one to the finish line wins something. It's the biggest horse race in Australia. That's it. (laughs) They they call it the race that stops a nation. Yeah, it doesn't stop me. (laughs) It doesn't stop me I keep working. Um, And she had a rough time when she was here, let's be honest. There was some good media and some good coverage. There was some terrific media and some terrific coverage from some people uh, on Twitter, especially we pointed out some of the the great uh, writers and people that interviewed her. She was on Hamish and Andy, who are hilarious, and they had a great time on Hamish and Andy. So check those out. We'll have links in the show notes. Yeah, that was funny. I, I liked the video where she was trying to do an Australian accent. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> but funny. It worked, though. Yeah. <laughs> the prank was a success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and unfortunately, when she was here, she also was treated absolutely disgustingly, too, by some press outlets. Yeah. 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 I think it was the mainly the News Corp press. Yeah. Yeah. Not very nice. Just treated her just like they did their dad used the whole Wacko Jacko name in a big headline and everything and that really upset Paris and it was not warranted at all. It upset me too. Like I saw a, I saw those images where she was on a bus or something and just making funny faces out the window and just having fun, like fun, normal, happy people do. And then they just chose key photos where she was making silly faces and tried to spin it into her being weird and deranged and it was just a brutal attack on just a kid wanting to have fun and I was really saddened by that because the Jackson family are plagued by bogus news reports that they're deranged and silly and she's not she's a smart young lady who does great things for minority groups and I love Paris, and it was pretty heartbreaking to see my country's press treat her that way because I know most of Australia loves Paris. Yeah, like the feedback from all friends of mine and and a huge portion of um, the people who attended and were reporting on this, Paris was a complete breath of fresh air Yeah, in this, you know, old, clunky racing establishment and, you know, to me, she was 100% authentic in not only what she wore and how she presented at these events that she was flown out for, but, you know, how she acted. And she was 
here to also, you know, be um, an ambassador and, you know, bring attention to all the bad stuff that's happening up at the Great Barrier Reef. So in other Jackson family news, Janet has attended the LA State of the World Tour after party following an incredible performance at the Hollywood Bowl with a bunch of her fellow Jackson family members in attendance. That would have been pretty awesome seeing your sister just like wrecking the stage up there. I really enjoyed watching the Twitter accounts of, I think it was TJ and Taj and just just various Jackson family members who were in attendance, all like taking videos and photos of, of Janet on stage, sharing it. It was really a very unique way to experience the show through the eyes of her siblings and nephews. Yeah, that was cool. That was very cool. And there was a big like a reunion that night on stage. All of the previous dancers from tours joined her on stage for like a Rhythm Nation medley. Yeah, she did Scream, Rhythm Nation and If. And I can't remember what she calls her dancers. She's got like a name for them. The kids? Yeah, I think so. And it was awesome to watch. It was. It was like, my God, there were so many people on stage. It yeah. was huge. It was a huge, 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 huge crowd on stage of all these dancers from previous tours. So I would have seen a whole bunch of those dancers on previous tours. Yeah, yeah. I actually recognized a couple of faces in there. And I know for a fact, too, that that performance was filmed professionally. And I'm guessing that'll be for the Netflix special that's coming out eventually. Oh, my God, that will be amazing. Yeah, yeah, it will be really cool. And then, like I said, she went to this after party that had its own hashtag. It had its own website, even. And great video footage of Janet on the red carpet for that party. She looked stunning. Absolutely gorgeous. Also in the Janet news, there's more. But wait, there's more. (laughs) So Janet got an award. She was honoured at the 2017 Out 100 Gala and she got the Music Icon Award and Out 100 is a LGBT publication, I believe. Yes. Um, But she did a beautiful speech that I know you watched just recently as well. Yeah, this morning and I got a little snippet here of it as well that I want to, you know, repeat what she said, just a portion of it. She said in the speech... My heart says so much of today's public discourse is ugly, so much prejudice, so much bullying, so much narrow-minded bigotry. But then my heart says, look at you people here tonight. You're so loving, so giving, so willing to let the world know that differences don't matter. Differences are beautiful. Diversity is a gift. We're all different. We're all the same. We're all vulnerable. We're all in need of acceptance and encouragement. I just, I loved that. We're gonna we're wow. gonna have the link in the show notes to the um, Jackson Source news article for this, and there's a video of this speech. Yeah, and it goes on further from what you said. Like it goes on. It's like about two and a half minute, three minute speech, and I loved how she she finishes up quoting lyrics from Together Again. Yeah. Yeah, so go check this out. Like, it was pretty cool. It's like, you know, someone's filming it the wrong way with their phone camera. Stop filming vertical people. (laughs) No more vertical video syndrome. (laughs) No more vertical video. Turn your phone horizontal before you start filming, please, because 
people's eyes go across ways and not up and down. <laughs> and I know that this this appearance and speech happened roughly around a very important time for us as Australians as well. That's right. We finally got the results of this like voluntary non-binding postal survey about marriage equality and the results were 7 million 817,247 people voted yes for marriage equality. So that's 61.6%. And I think that means Kylie Minogue is our next prime minister and she (laughs) might be taking office soon. Yeah, well, our current prime minister, um, Malcolm Turnbull, I know said that he will be making it um, the agenda of his government to push uh, legal marriage equality through before Christmas. And make Kylie Minogue our new prime minister. Yay! <laughs> so I've got to ask you, Q. Now, I know yes. you and the hubs uh, are already married because you got married in the Netherlands. But yes. will you consider having another ceremony in Australia so that I get to come? Uh, we had not considered that <laughs> yet. No. Okay. No. Well, if it happens, We've, I'll be there. <laughs> okay. We hadn't really spoken about it or talked about anything for it. No. But what are you going to do with your actual like marriage? Do you now, would you then just go down to the courthouse and like give your ne- papers from the Netherlands? Yeah, it would be interesting. And I guess that would be the easiest thing for them to do is like I've got multiple friends that have been married over in New Zealand because it was legal over there already. So I guess, I don't know. We haven't really spoken about it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, congrats, Janet. We should play a Janet song. Let's do it.
Hey, this is Taj Jackson of 3T, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. Another very talented member of the Jackson family have recently released a new EP. It's called Canyon Sessions, and it's by Austin Brown, Reby Jackson's son. I haven't heard any of this yet. I know he just did some performing in Paris, actually. I saw some Instagram video of that last night. And then after the gig, he went out and played like on the street. Yeah, he's he's traveling around and I think it's called the Guitar and Microphone Tour. I don't know if that's like a throwback to sort of Prince's Piano and Microphone Tour. But he's awesome. Like he, he is actually, I, I would say, apart from Jermaine, I would say he's my favorite Jackson family live singer right now. He's a really talented guy. And I kind of feel sorry for him because he gets so underrated. Um, he, he's like genuine talent and I, yeah, I wish he'd got, I wish he had more success with his stuff to be honest, but he, he released this new EP Canyon sessions and I was, I still am a bit hesitant about it to be honest, because I remember earlier in the year when we reported on the first single from it, which was smile, we discovered when we sort of researched into it a little bit more that it was actually produced by Eddie Cassio. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, infamous record producer who did release fraudulent Michael Jackson songs, and we won't get into that Oprah show right now, but it's just weird to me that Austin has would know all that. Like, there's no way he wouldn't know all that and has decided to collaborate with this guy. But um, I can't ignore the fact that the music is actually really good. There's a song on there called Body, which I'm in love with. I'm sort of just crossing my fingers that, like, I don't listen to the Eddie song, which is called Smile. And I don't know if the other songs on the album are produced by Eddie Cassio. Uh, I've searched high and low through the internet to try and find the credits. I can't find them. But um, I'm, until I find if find out if it is, I'm streaming body and the other songs on the album and really really enjoying them and austin is a great great talent and i wish him a lot of success with it i can't wait to hear your thoughts when you have a listen i think you'll like it it's kind of like um i think of him sort of like as he's very similar to bruno mars in a way to me there's that real rootsy sort of sound um, a real focus on organic instrumentation and just great soulful singing yeah, I like the acoustic sound and I mm. would hope one day Tito does some acoustic stuff. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. That would be amazing. So, yeah, I like the acoustic sound. There's another Jackson family member with a little bit of news. It's more like it's not big news and things aren't really going to change, but Catherine Jackson has resigned as the co-guardian of BC Jackson of Michael's younger son. And now instead of having joint guardianship with TJ, now TJ is the main, he's listed as the, the guardian. So it's like an official paperwork kind of thing, really. Yeah. This isn't surprising to me at all. Catherine is currently 87 years old. She has raised so many kids and grandkids and I think it was sort of inevitable that at some point TJ would, would take over the official responsibility 100%. And I'm not surprised at all. The only thing I'm hoping is that this isn't a reflection of poor health. Um, I, I'm, you know, always hoping that the Jackson family are in the best of health. So 
yeah, best wishes to Catherine and she's done a great job. Absolutely. Every single Jackson family member just can never say enough how much Catherine does for the family and how much uh, she is respected. From his soul came the music. From his heart came the beat. The magic of Michael Jackson coming soon on video. Now in paperback, Moonwalk, the Michael Jackson story told by Michael himself. From the heart and soul of a star comes Moonwalk, the paperback, and Moonwalker, the video. Hi, this is Jonathan Sugarfoot Moffitt, drummer for Michael Jackson and the Jacksons, and you're listening to the MJ Cast. Just in some Jackson book news, one of my favorite books on Michael Jackson is about to be re-released as a revised edition. Mike Smallcomb is bringing out Making Michael again. Yes, he's doing a revised vision and he's asking for feedback from you guys. He has uh, asked for people, I guess, who've read the, the initial book, which I loved, and I know you really yep. loved it as well. It was a really terrific book uh, and should be in um, your MJ home library for sure. But he's asking people for tips and, and on what to include and expand on for volume two. Yeah, it's very rare authors sort of do do this in such a formal way. I mean, I'm sure all authors are open to feedback and take it into account, but for them to actually go out and canvas their audience and say, hey, I want this book to become a little bit more what you guys want is phenomenal. So if you're at home and you, you read Mike Smallcomb's work and you know about certain interviews to do with certain topics or you think he should speak to certain people about certain topics to include information reach out to him. This is an incredible opportunity to have some kind of even small impact on what you want this great book to evolve into. So you can reach Mike by emailing him at info at makingmichael.co.uk. And I'm sure he'd be very excited to hear from people. And he said he's got to get to work and get writing. (laughs) I can't wait to get it. Yeah, it's a great book. In other book news, friend of the show, Andy Healy, has released Bad 30 101. It's been a long time coming and all of the hard work Andy has put into it and wasn't on his original release schedule for this time. It was meant to be a bit earlier, but I think it's paid off because it is a beautiful book and it's free. Totally free. Andy does all of his work. Uh, at mj101series.com just for the benefit of fans without having to pay any money, which is very, very noble of him. Uh, and it is it is excellent. Like, I'm just scanning through it right now. I will admit I haven't read it yet. It's only sort of just come out and I've been quite busy. But I've downloaded my copy. I've read the bad song section. The pictures are beautiful as per usual. Stunning quality. Just Oh, my God. Filled with the most beautiful bad era pictures you can imagine. Yeah. And some that you can't even sort of find easily. Yeah, totally. I I just think um, he's got such an eye for text placement and images. And, like, I'm just looking at this one now, Man in the Mirror, right? So, it's got a... You know that photo shoot Michael did with the jeans and, like, the open white shirt? I think it was actually that photo shoot was for the Dangerous Era. 
um, but it was taken at the end of the bad era. Oh, the Annie Leibovitz photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're some of my favorite Michael photos images ever. So in, I don't know if I'd call it a chapter, but in part seven or whatever, Man in the Mirror, Michael's like standing there with his right arm outstretched and the text just wraps beautifully around his hand. It's so cool. I just love how any little details like that is just really, really neat. Great book. Can't wait to get into it and really read it thoroughly. Congratulations, Andy, on another awesome release. Yes, absolutely. Congratulations. There's now an entire library of um, these this series available and just just get them. Just There's get a, these them. Are di- digital e-books, uh, just like a, a magazine, and you can put the album on and then just read the book as you listen to the album, pretty much. Pretty much and how it works. Like the song, if yeah. you... Like bad, how long does the song bad go for? Let me just take a look on my iTunes library. Okay, bad goes for four minutes and seven seconds. Andy's bad chapter or section has like uh, maybe 10, 12 paragraphs. So, yeah, you can just sit back, listen to the song and read it at the same time. And by the time you get to the end of the song, you will have just learned all about bad at the same time. It's very, very cool. Very cool. No, it's terrific. So, um, at mj101series.com slash bad30. What an awesome way to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Bad Album. So cool. Yeah, super cool. You can also follow Andy on social media. He's um, Andy Healy on Facebook and mj underscore one underscore zero underscore one on the Twitters. He's such a nice guy. Super nice guy. Okay. Some leaks. Got some leaks. It's been pretty leaky lately. We got some bit leaky leaky. Alrighty. Dangerous (laughs) World Tour leak. Live in Oslo, 1992. Now, the whole concert has leaked now because people were doing some sort of crowdsourcing fundraising for it. Yeah. So, some guy who had a crappy VHS quality version of the concert told the fan community... I'd say DVD quality. I wouldn't. I'd at least say DVD quality. (laughs) It's got static on the screen. (laughs) Oh, man. So he's come out and said, right, I'll give you this footage if you give me $5,000. And the fan community decided that was a smart idea and gave him $5,000 through a crowdfunding campaign yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to say whether that was right or wrong to line somebody's pockets with five grand for a VHS thing, but whatever it happened, we now have Oslo. And it's pretty unique. It's a it's a daylight dangerous tour <laughs> concert. <laughs> yeah. I have not had a chance to watch it. And is it up on... Is it still up on the internet? Because I know at one point it got taken down. Yeah, so it keeps getting taken down. People upload it. It stays there for about three days, gets taken down, and and it just keeps getting (laughs) uploaded. So um, uh, the link we have in the show notes will be working at time of recording and potentially release. But if it goes dead after that, sorry. (laughs) Use keepvid.com or something to rip that thing down. Now, are we getting a little vocal review of this? Absolutely. Friend of the show, Anthony King, has sent in another awesome review. Uh, let's have a listen to that. 
Welcome Michael Jackson fans. The MJ cast have asked me to make some comments on Michael Jackson's dangerous tour in Oslo and I'm happy to do so. I'm Anthony King and you can join me on Instagram at, at Anthony King Dancer. Okay, dangerous tour in Oslo. What a show. First thing, the most obvious thing, is the daylight. So because Norway and Oslo is so far north in the summer months the sun sets really late and in the winter the there's hardly any daylight in the day however with that said the show started at its normal time which is around 7:30 between 7 and 7:30 doors opening around 3 3:30 there you go so yeah it when it, it really did it was a normal timing of the show but because it was Norway in Oslo that's why it's daylight which is really interesting for Michael Jackson fans because we get to see the things that we don't usually get to see because of the darkness obviously it affects the lighting but on the other hand we get to see other things we don't usually see so that's really good okay so i've wrote down a couple of things let's take a look so because of the light we don't get the kabuki shadow effect in smooth criminal so they just drop the sheets all together because you wouldn't see anything and people would just say what the hell's going on but we get to see michael dancing on the tabletop you know what they do if there's a change is they just change the minimum amount of elements and just go with it which is what they do and what they did um by the way the sunset in July 1992 was around 25 past 10 okay so that's why at man in the mirror it's kind of getting dark it's probably around half past 9 um just past when man in the mirror ends um okay what are we starting something did you notice that when he stood back um the Ricky Lawson the drummer starts and that's pretty unusual in a Michael Jackson show usually Michael triggers the band or he starts the band um with his manually with his mouth or with his hand and if you notice that evolved over the show because this is only like the eighth show in the tour so Michael isn't quite there yet with what he wants it to be and um Greg Fillinggain said said this a few shows later that musically they weren't where they wanted to be and that's I think that's pretty obvious in a couple of places uh, man in the mirror there's a few piano flourish parts which at the end which kind of surprised me because they kind of went and it was just out of keeping with the song working day and night the horns um weren't quite there weren't quite perfect as they were later on in the tour and also even like end of man in the mirror with the strings there's a lot less strings more piano bass and it evolved over the tour so it wasn't quite there musically um what else have we got here um jam what a performance huh if you notice he didn't really have that dance down there's a lot of walking around and punching but um you know first verse he'd do a side moonwalk again that he he kind of got to that later first verse miming and he forgot the lyrics of the first verse started singing the second verse the backing track vocal came in with the first verse so obviously messed him up a bit he was a bit upset about it really quickly got over it smooth criminal wrong moves robotics wrong moves backing dancer totally did the wrong move and did a double two times 360 circle moonwalk unforgivable <laughs> kidding so let's see what's going on there eighth show in or something like that michael's performing smooth criminal you've got to remember 
that the hundreds of times he's done it before, they didn't do the lean and they didn't do that. They extended their choreography there. So essentially, this is still only choreography that he's been doing only for a few weeks, if you, even if you include rehearsal, which is why it wasn't into his muscle memory yet, which is why when he goes back to do the circle moonwalk, he kind of does something odd and kind of goes for a moonwalk and then comes back. Again, it's evolving. It's earlier on the tour. His energy is high. Vocal is brilliant. Vocal is brilliant. Talking about Smooth Criminal, if you take a look, really interesting, just towards the end of Human Nature, we see Michael Bush sneaking on with his shoes. If you look at the shoes, it's not obviously the best quality, but you can see the shape of the Smooth Criminal shoes and the height and how tall they are. Um, that's a pretty interesting uh, for a fan. Um, okay, what else have we got here? Uh, no Angel yet for, um, for Will He Be There. Obviously, we see The Way You Make Me Feel and Bad. Songs which were later removed. <laughs> By the way, you're probably young, the people listening to this, but if you check check out before the way you make me feel, you see the security throwing water into the crowd because of um, how they were dehydrating because of the heat, because they're squashed together. With health and safety nowadays, we don't really have shows like that anymore. Essentially, everyone was just bunched in. We have like barriers and separation and all the rest of it. But in those old days, especially the bad tour, even more so, it was a different matter altogether. Man in the Mirror was, I loved the Man in the Mirror performance, it was wonderful. And it was really funny when the box goes up and knocks over Michael's helmet into him and he, he picks it up and then he's laughing at Michael Bush because he doesn't have his gloves ready on the left side, on the left, and the right side, on the right. So Michael's looking at him, laughing. Heal the world, the interlude, probably the shortest interlude on the tour. Literally, I love you Oslo, I love you Norway. Ba, boom, ba, ba, ba. As Michael said, by the way, anybody listening to this, if you haven't been to Norway, before you leave this earth, you have to go to Scandinavia because it's such a beautiful place. The people are beautiful. The nature are beautiful. It's just beautiful. I, I can't, I've been there so many times. I've taught so many people how to dance and over in Scandinavia and I just think it's so many beautiful friends so go as Michael was saying it's lovely it's a lovely place so anyway I think they're my thoughts on the Michael Jackson Danger Tour in Oslo I think it's brilliant one thing about Michael is he was a genius in, in controlling his image and one thing with the leaks of these concerts I'm really glad they didn't come out when he was alive because we essentially had the Bucharest Dangerous Tour and we had a few other clips of special on specials so we really had michael top at his best and we didn't see the mistakes um through the rest of the tour because they weren't released and i think that really added to the mystery and the magic of michael jackson he knew how to control his image with limited release of his songs and performances which obviously added to the magic of the performance did you see the rocket at the end, by the way, when the rocket, um, the rocket man flying away in the jetpack, the, the crowd look stunned. They really did. Small stadium for Michael, although it looks big. It's actually a small stadium for Michael. What a really great crowd to perform to, actually. And um, it's literally, there's stuff going on around there. So I, when I saw the jetpack go off there, I'm like, where, the, where is he going? He's going to smash into a building. Do you know what? I don't know if health and safety would allow such a launch nowadays in that environment i don't know i don't think so actually anyway um had a lot of emotions in that concert i really enjoyed it really good concert man in the mirror was my thing 
I'm really happy, by the way, about the way you make me feel, how he changed that. I really think that the last version of the way you make me feel was probably the best during his tours. However, great performance. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you've enjoyed my little, little, very short review of Michael Jackson's Dangerous Tour in Oslo. Don't forget, if you steal my information from my blogs, um, professional authors, make sure you source it like you haven't been. <laughs> Not that I really care, but you should do it. Your publishers will expect you to done so. So um, you haven't done it before, but I don't really mind, but you should do it because I might wake up in the morning and mind. Anyway, guys, I want to say thank you very much. MJ Cast, thank you. Michael Jackson, Danish Tour Oslo. Check it out. Good night. Thank you, Mr. Anthony King, live performance correspondent. Really, really cool to hear your insights on Michael's performance. Uh, some unique things about it for sure. Q, I know you haven't watched it and I've only watched snippets of it, but have you at least seen the pictures of Jennifer Batten with the giant Chinese <laughs> dragon design yes. thing? <laughs> yes, I can't wait to see that in video because I have absolutely seen those pictures and it looked wild. <laughs> That looked, that looked so cool. That yeah. looked so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good show. I liked it. It's not like, you know, it's not my favorite era. I definitely prefer the 80s, but it's really still enjoyable to watch and see some... It's just not every day that you get a Michael Jackson concert come out. So <laughs> that alone is just worth the... Uh, just worth watching. Yeah, probably won't be the last. Not if MJ Beats has anything to do with it. <laughs> So, they do a lot. They put a lot of cool stuff out. They do. So we've got a bunch of other news topics that we're not going to discuss today, but we'll put in the show notes. We'll just quickly run through what those are now. Uh, Lavelle Smith Jr. has also shared never-before-seen footage from Michael Jackson's 2002 A Night at the Apollo event. Uh, that's a performance that is, just a disclaimer, completely lip-synced. If you're going in to watch it, it's... Um, basically, you're not going to be blown off your feet, but whatever. It's there if you want to watch it. That's uh, your number one favorite performance ever, I believe, now. It's actually, in all honesty, not my least favorite ever Michael Jackson performance. I expected it to be bad, but not this bad. Anyway, won't get into it. There's some socks. Let's get some socks. Yay, Thriller socks. They're actually pretty cool. They look great. We can ha you, you know, can't have Dangerous 25. You can have chalk <laughs> and you can have socks. Stance, uh, they make themed socks and there's a range of thriller socks. And I like the werewolf one the best. So the director of Remember the Time has given an interview and shared his memories around working with Michael Jackson, which was fun to listen to. Yeah, go and check that out. Hear from John Singleton. Very cool. And Jermaine Jackson performed on... A Dutch TV show, and why did I not go and ask how to pronounce this? I should have done that. Um, Tide Vormax, I guess, was the TV show. I have no idea how to say that. I'm so sorry. And he did an interview and um, performed on the TV show. So that's got a link in the show notes as well. <laughs> Quote, unquote, performed. <laughs> oh, it was like a it was a lip sync performance. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was it wasn't his best. Yep. Anyway, moving on. I like the song. Good song. Beautiful song. Yeah. Are we going to a music break? Let's hit it. Ah! 
Hey, this is really, really Brad Sundberg, studio engineer and technical director for Michael Jackson and host of In the Studio with MJ. You're listening to the MJ cast. So um, uh, basically a new TV show has sort of come out around the Halloween time by CBS. It is an actual Michael Jackson TV show called Michael Jackson's Halloween. We'd been hearing about it for weeks leading up to it. I know that the creators went to Comic-Con and spoke about it. There definitely was a lot of buzz in the fan community leading up to it. Um, And when it came out, there was also a lot of buzz. Can you remember its announcement, though? Let's, Let's just turn back time a little bit. Do you remember when they're like, hey, guys, we've got a big Michael announcement for oh, you. Oh, yeah, that's and right. It's gonna happen yeah. at, and it's going to happen at this time and this date. And then, like, you waited up all night for it. I waited up all night it and it never happened. happened. Said, <laughs> yeah, remember? And then they said, oh, um, come back. They finally said, come back tomorrow. And then we got Charles to stay up for it. And he live tweeted it. And then everyone, yeah. and he live tweeted it. And everyone was excited and expecting Thriller 3D announcement. And everyone was like, you know, just foaming at the mouth with anticipation for Thriller 3D. And then they dropped this news. Can you remember the reaction? The reaction was crazy. It was... um, Negative as hell. it, It was really negative. And I understand why as well. Like... I'm I'm not feeling as negative about the show now as I did when that announcement happened, but I understand why it was negative because it was what no one was expecting or really what anybody at that time really wanted. I think they could have handled... If they had have done the announcement differently, that it wouldn't have been negative, I don't think. It's sort of how they did it. Um, but it totally was negative, yep. So now 
skip forward to its screening and it's uh, showing on CBS and to my knowledge it's not been screened in any other country's TV channels we never got it screened here in Australia um, so anyone else that's seen it outside of the US has seen it by other means so from its like pretty much universally negative reaction at its announcement to Let's just take an example. The Twitter poll that I did for those that watched it, I think the last time I looked, it was 82% of people really enjoyed it. What were the um, results? I mean, sorry, the potential responses for the poll. It was like you like it or you didn't. Yeah. People were like, oh, you should have had a third one where I sort of liked it. I was like, oh, okay, well. Anyway, 82%. I was surprised. Yeah, the reaction to it was overwhelmingly positive when it was actually screening online. Everyone's reaction that I was seeing on Twitter was positive. Everyone's reaction immediately after it was positive. I'm pretty much seeing... The only thing I've been surprised by is that, from what I'm seeing, no one's talking about it now. Like, everyone was talking about it for about a week, and then, or not even that, maybe four days, and then, like, it literally hasn't... I haven't seen no one mention it since. <laughs> is that because Halloween is finished? Uh, well, no, I think it's just because it wasn't a five-star thing. Like, I think it was great to watch and fun, but I think people are going to forget it pretty quickly. But I'll get into my thoughts on it in a second detail. Well, people might have died off about it, but every year it's going to be back. This is going to be an annual TV Screening. You reckon they'll show it every year? That's what they did this for. That's what they were talking about when they said, we want this to be like the Charlie Brown Christmas special, which in the US is screened every year. Well, That's I, what this is. I wouldn't be surprised if they did show it every year, but surely it would only be from now, from every year on, it would only be on like some kind of kids channel. It surely wouldn't be a primetime CBS thing every year. I can't imagine that. No, would be I think the case. that's sort of what these TV specials in America are. They're like an annual tradition. We'll see if that eventuates. I don't think it will. I don't think it was good enough to stand the test of time and be shown at primetime every single year. But we'll see. We'll see. I think TV networks over there operate a little bit differently to over here. Yeah, but the, yeah, I get that that maybe it was what they were aiming for, but I don't know. Apparently, if that's it got what pretty happen. good ratings. It did. It did. It got really good ratings. It beat out every single show on TV except sport. So I think you'll be seeing it again year after year. Yeah, I've got no doubt they'll show it year after year. I just don't think they'll show it at prime time every year or on CBS, like a main CBS channel. I think they'll, like I said, I think they'll probably now be syndicated to some kind of kids' channel. Um, whether we'll show it, but we'll see. Okay. We will we'll see. agree to disagree on that. And I think he did raise a good point maybe about kids channel. We, I think need to remember that we are not the target market for this. So I sort of feel a bit weird talking, like reviewing it in a way, because this is not meant for me. This is not meant for a fan of over 25 years. This is a kid's cartoon and this is, meant for little kids. So take what I say with a grain of salt because (laughs) I am not the target audience for this at all. 
So I think you can... Certainly, it's difficult to talk about it as an adult in terms of enjoyment. But I think we can talk about the quality of it, comparing it to other kids' shows or other kids' like entertainment we, films. Then we need to remember kids don't give a shit about quality. <laughs> I did when I was a kid. Like, Well, what well, kind of kid are we talking I, about? A five-year-old? Because I teach kids in grade seven and eight who certainly care about quality. Yeah, they're not so much kids. They're like, they're tweens. This is for younger kids. And looking at the stuff that my nephews watch, like, you know, yeah, there's great quality stuff like Thunderbirds I Go and Paw Patrol, um, things like that. And I guess maybe you could say that the Star Wars animated shows, is that Clone Wars and things like that? Yeah, and Star Wars Rebels on Disney. Yep. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Uh, and, yeah, this is not Disney. This is this is definitely not Disney, Pixar quality and other top quality animation. But kids that I know quite happily watch cartoons, which is not great quality or with great story or with great character development. So the younger kids, to, to me, they're quality thing doesn't matter but definitely for me it's not top quality yeah so what what your what are your overall thoughts like tell me what you thought about it when did you watch it how did you watch it what did you think about it so halloween this year i was actually over east doing my uh, exams for work in case you didn't know flight attendants have to do requalification um, every six months for equipment and safety exam stuff so that we are endorsed to operate uh, the equipment and aircraft doors for your safety, which is why we're there. Thank you very much. And I had my exams and they popped up on my roster on October 31st. So I had to fly over east to the training center for a whole day of practical and theory assessment. And then I went out and had an awesome night, catch up dinner with friends after I passed with Flying Colours, and I missed Halloween. So I had wanted to decorate the house and, and have my nephews and everything over. So what I did was I scheduled a little Halloween event for my nephews and some close friends' children to come over on the Saturday night. And we sort of had like a pizza dinner and we sat down and for the first time I had seen pictures and clips across social media. Um, but for the first time watching it whole, I watched it with three of my nephews and they range in age from uh, three to seven years old. Well, we turned seven the next day. So, you know, late six, seven years old. So I watched it with my nephews for the first time and uh, their mum and yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting. They liked it, but it was quickly forgotten. These you also have to remember these kids they they have Moonwalker, but some of them are a bit young to watch it and some get a bit scared by parts in it so they don't watch it all the time. They've got maybe some Michael music, I'm not sure, but they are not familiar with his work really. So I wouldn't call these kids Michael Jackson fans. Obviously, if it was a kid of mine, they would not have a choice and they would be pumped full of Michael Jackson music and videos and concerts and 
books and everything from a very young age. So these are not kids that are really familiar with Michael as a person, maybe, or as with his music as other kids out there. So it was interesting that they enjoyed it, but it was quickly forgotten and not really spoken about after we watched it. They like, like the, one of the highlights for one of them was when the character Victor, the boy crashed into, was it Victoria, the girl character that had the dog? Yeah. When he crashed into her on his bike, that was like the highlight to one of my nephews. (laughs) So that slapstick um, comedy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, slapstick comedy, I guess, is pretty ageless. It just will go forever. Yeah. Um, and watching them watch it, they were entertained, but they were like, oh, is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? I was like, I haven't seen this either, guys. I don't know what's happening in this. Like, you know, you just have to watch and try and pay attention. And then at the end, when Michael shows up, I was looking and they all were sitting there open-mouthed, seemingly entranced by the whole Michael segment, but they they didn't really go crazy or anything when Michael came on. So for me, reviewing it, not a kid, I thought the animation quality was not terrific for a lot of it. It felt like very 90s animation computer animation and i don't mean in a toy story good way it felt like a computer like a computer game almost animation like not great quality it was fine but it wasn't great at all and the story i guess for me was a bit all over the place none of the characters to me were that memorable or well developed like and the theme of it what was the name of the villain lady? Lucy Liu played her. I don't remember her name. Exactly. Like, what is that about? The thing that it's, it's so many unforgettable things. Oh, conformity. There it was. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Lucy Liu played the villain lady whose name was conformity. And the whole theme of this was... You know, this mega company, people should be not conforming to be all the same and like all the same things and they should, you know, express themselves how they like and be individuals. What four-year-old understands conformity or could even spell it? I thought the whole theme of it was just like it was – too complicated for little kids, I thought. They didn't, no one, when I was asking them about it, they didn't understand that. They didn't really have a concept for that. I thought the cast was great. The voice actors, they did fine. I thought it was cool how Bubbles was a character. I thought the the diversity of the characters, they were mainly background characters, was good they could have maybe had some more diversity in the in the main characters perhaps but it was it was good fun to watch and i have to say the highlight for me was when michael showed up at the end 
like it to me it didn't really make a lot of sense that those three other characters were all joined together to create him and everyone seemed to know who he was like oh michael's here michael's shown up and gonna save the day it's like well how do you know who this is like i don't get it is he a pop star in this world but the time that he was like on the screen that was for me really awesome and definitely the highlight and even um i asked my girlfriend that had brought the kids over and she said she got chills from that moment when michael rocked up and did his thing like she said yeah i sat there and really felt that i had chills and i definitely felt the same i really felt something then and that was the only time in the whole thing where i sort of did feel anything at all is when michael rocked up and was amazing like i thought his animation was better than any of the others like they spent for me they spent a lot more of time and effort animating him into his thriller character than any of the other characters at all and to me that paid off and yeah like the dancing and stuff was motion captured from the dancers that actually have dance with michael on on tours the the brothers and i thought that was cool so obviously it's not michael's dancing it's like someone else doing it i thought they did a great job animating that kind of thing for a, a kid's cartoon probably is not the easiest thing um so it wasn't as amazing as watching a michael performance video of him dancing but it was pretty impressive and yeah i really liked the end of it a lot so to me that sort of made it worth it um i don't know if i've got much else to say about it i enjoyed it and i might watch it again next year if the kids come back for another halloween thing here maybe we can turn it into a tradition and as they get older we can start showing them the other stuff like thriller and ghosts when they're old enough to watch that sort of stuff kids these days are not like when we were little kids watching scary well not even scary movies just family movies in the 80s like i would love to watch never ending story one of the greatest kids films ever with my nephews but like i remember i was a little bit scared by gamork the wolf in that back then but kids these days would die from fright from scary stuff that was in 80s family movies like kids audience these days is very different to i think what we were when we were younger so yeah i enjoyed it it was good it was not done in bad taste like there was michael music in there maybe too much like that dirty diana theme that they kept playing when conformity showed up on the screen that got really repetitive and annoying they did try and jam a lot of Michael stuff in here, whereas maybe they could have just thought a little bit more about what songs they put into it. I liked the mixes. Like, it's a shame that there's not really a soundtrack for this. I think that would actually be really cool to hear. But there were some weird parts with the music, like They Don't Care About Us and the dancing spider scene. That was just seemed like an odd fit. It was, yeah, a bit funny. So what would you give it out of five? How many stars? See, and this is me rating it, not a kid. If I'd asked a kid, you'd probably get a very different answer. Three to three and a half. Okay. Yeah. What about you? So how did you watch it for the first time? Um, I just 
downloaded it from some kind of website thing. <laughs> I won't say the name of it. And I just threw it on in my lounge room and just watched it from start to finish. And uh, I think I had a little break in, in the halfway. I think I took a 10-minute break or something. But I pretty much watched it all, this, all the way through. I will say two things to start with. Number one, I did not f- leave watching this feeling sick or <laughs> repulsed like I do with pretty much most other estate products um, that have come out so far, like the Vision Box set, the Michael album, etc. I use or the the VHS Bad Tour thing. Usually, I'm like feel sick or like this is not what Michael should be getting. So I did not. Um, leave watching it feeling that way i actually felt pretty positive after i finished watching it which is uh you know that's pretty good i think to start with and secondly i will say that i'm not really it as i talk about it now i'm not reviewing it i don't view it and i know you might think a little bit differently q but i don't view this as quote unquote michael jackson i view the music in it as michael but to me, this is an estate product or whatever film production company put it together. This is not Michael. My, everything Michael is what Michael actually is. His voice, his music, his what he gave us when he was alive or, or unreleased stuff that he had come out after he'd passed away that's actually him. So looking at it through that lens, as soon as I stopped thinking, I'm going to see a Michael Jackson thing, as soon as I removed that, I had a much more open mind about it and was able to approach it a little bit more, I guess, flexibly. So you you sort of had to change your view yeah, because I, to, to see it as Michael Jackson was a character in this? Well, yeah, Michael is some kind of character in it and certainly his music and voice is in it, but that's where it stops. Like everything else, like the dancing is not him. That's their dancers that have been mocapped. That's it. Like, the, what is Michael in this is just literally his voice, his music, and that's really it. And maybe the theme of it, I guess, like this, maybe his, some of his values are in here, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's, totally. I agree there. Yeah. But it's not really Michael. He died in 2009. This has come out after he died. So, there were some really good things about it. It was fun. I had fun watching it. It was well-meaning. It came from a really good place. I felt the animation was better than I thought it would be, having seen the trailer. A big red flags went up for me when they only showed like a second at a time of scenes in the trailer. And I'm like, yeah, trailers usually do that when things aren't good. They just show the little best bits of certain scenes. But it actually like wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, it was still pretty bad. The hotel bad. coming up out of the box was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. The Jam and Dangerous mashup I thought was actually really good because they're both songs that were recorded by Teddy Riley um, for the Dangerous album. They were, you know, they worked really well together. I would love to have a copy of the Jam and Dangerous mashup. The characters I thought the two main characters were fairly well developed. I really loved seeing the diverse nature of the characters. There were black characters, white characters, Asian characters, Muslim. That was a great message for kids to be seeing in 2017. As little kids are watching the screen, they are seeing lots of different kinds of people dancing together. And that's going to go a long way in kids' minds in terms of tolerance, I think, as they grow older. I loved all the little MJ references and the little Easter eggs. They were cool. They were mostly clever. 
it was a great way to introduce Michael Jackson to children. The voice acting was absolutely superb. If I, you know, the, I think we could agree the animation wasn't as good as it could be, but the voice acting I think was excellent. The atmosphere it created, like I really felt like the atmosphere was really great. But there were a few bad things too about it. The first thing that I, the number one thing I don't like about it, I think there was way too many Michael Jackson songs in it, but I think they needed to sort of take the less is more approach with this and let the few times that they could have used Michael Jackson songs really stand out instead of throwing every single song in that they could think of. So why not use orchestral scoring? You, you might take little portions of Stranger in Moscow or something and repurpose it in an orchestral style and use that. Why do you have to throw like five seconds of They Don't Care About Us, about us in? Five th- seconds of Scream in? Five seconds of whatever. It's, it was too much for me. I just felt really disjointed. The visual Easter eggs were fine. I just felt... Except for that, that, that weird silhouette. Yes, which I'll get to in a sec. The, I felt like Michael was being rammed down my throat watching it. And I think I think they could have just done the less is more thing instead of every two minutes saying, you now, this is the song you're now going to listen to. This is the song you're now going to listen to. Like, just step back a little bit and let it breathe. I felt like I was constantly being pulled out of the moment. I'm now listening to this song. How does it connect? I just couldn't relax in it. I think some of the songs just did not connect. <laughs> no, like Stranger in Moscow in the office scene. So there's like a boss talking to the girl. I can't remember her name, Victoria or whatever. So there's a boss talking to an employee, but Stranger in Moscow is playing. And that is a song about loneliness and just isolation. And it even conveys that vibe. So like the audio is making me feel isolated and lonely, but it's like a fun kids show. And it's just... I didn't get that. Same about they don't care about us in the spider scene. They don't care about us is about protest and minority groups fighting against the establishment. The silhouette you mentioned was just odd to me. They kept going back to this visual symbol of the this is it poster slash CD cover slash DVD cover of, I can't remember the name of the impersonator, but at some point, Sony or the estate hired an impersonator to do a Michael Jackson pose and then photoshopped a montage of Michael images from This Is It onto that silhouette and used it for all the promotional material of This Is It. And for some reason in this show, they kept showing that particular symbol that's not actually even Michael um, as some kind of, uh, I guess it was meant to represent a significant moment where Michael's magic was being felt in the show. And I found that slightly, ever so slightly offensive. It's not a deal breaker, but as somebody who is educated on what happened in the This Is It rehearsals and how much Michael was being abused by AEG, I really think it was super distasteful for them to use that particular symbol. They have got limitless actual Michael Jackson symbols and poses that they could have used. Yeah, this is one that he never actually did. There was a great thread on the Michael Jackson archives about this and everybody was trying to find the most similar pose Michael did to this. And there's a couple. There's the You Rock My World silhouette. There's a few times he does a similar. similar. Like at the end of, the, I'm thinking of end, end of the Man in the Mirror when he's standing there, arms outstretched. 
you know, that would have been better. I don't think that this is ever going to impact a kid. Like a kid's never going to watch this and think what I'm saying ever. But I don't know. It's just why? Why do that when you could do something a little bit more respectful? So that's all I had that was negative. In general, I thought it was a positive experience. I'm going to give it 2.5 stars. Smack bang in the middle for me. It wasn't terrible and it wasn't great. I don't think it's going to have a long-term shelf life. I don't think it's going to be something anyone wants to watch repetitively. I don't think it has Michael magic in it. I think it's um, a fun thing for kids that it's going to introduce them to Michael. But the magic really for me is in what Michael actually did. And they're my thoughts. What about the actual Michael animation? Um, I didn't. Yeah, to me, he didn't. Like, I'd, I'd agree with you. Actually, you know what? The Heyman stuff was, I enjoyed that more than Michael. I enjoyed the Heyman scene wow. more than the actual Michael scene. Because for me, the Michael scene, number one, he didn't look like Michael to me. The face. It looked like Bruno Mars to me. And I know it's stylistically different. It's an animation and stuff. But I think it just didn't look like him to me. And two, I just felt that whole section felt like a video game. Like he was going around spraying this magic out of his fingers on people. And it was like (laughs) someone on Michael Jackson archives on Facebook actually said that they thought it might have been originally designed as a video game. Like you press left, right, move your character over here, spray your magic on them, move over there. And it just felt like a video game more so than a musical performance to me. I, I preferred the Heyman scene because it was uh, more choreographed, more, and it was a better song. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really enjoy the Michael bit, to be honest. My nephews know Bruno Mars. They love, love, love the Bruno Mars songs. Definitely at birthday parties, you know, they're always songs that the kids are always up dancing to. Like they, they do the musical chairs game and stuff to Bruno Mars. And so they know him. I think they know his videos and maybe what he looks like. And they definitely didn't say, oh, it's Bruno Mars on the screen. <laughs> they were like, wow, and Michael Jackson. They knew this was Michael Jackson when he rocked up on the screen. Well, the clothes were Michael, but his face to me didn't look like Michael. I thought it was a really good animated representation. I thought it was really well done. Like it was a great thriller era sort of representation. It's not meant to, you know, yeah, like you said, it's it's a stylistic approach. And I thought that was really cool. Like we see a lot of awesome fan art that people do. Uh, like when thriller comes, you know, for Halloween and stuff, people do the sort of fan art and those awesome posters that that person designed. I can't remember if that was on Tumblr or something of all the different film clips. And it was like a, cartoon Michael in a scene of all the video clips. So I thought it was like like that and it stood up to that sort of thing because you could draw Michael in a hundred thousand different ways. Yeah. And I thought this was pretty cool. I thought, yeah, I enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, hope everybody uh, got some kind of pleasure out of it Um, and feel free to continue hitting us up on social media. You can tweet us at the MJ cast and let us know your thoughts. Many of you already have, but maybe our conversation here has made you think in a different way about it somehow. And we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Finds of the week. Finds of the week. You've got a cool one to do with Sammy Davis jr. 
Yeah, I want to say uh, thank you to our friend TJ for this one. I had had this as a find of the week in an episode a long time ago, and we just ran out of time and couldn't put them into the show. Uh, and then the show notes got edited and I lost it, and I could not for the life of me remember what I had picked and the link for it. And then I saw someone else on a Facebook group talking about this performance and I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. I've been trying to remember what this was for ages. So uh, TJ, thank you so much. It's actually a little clip of the legendary Sammy Davis Jr. singing Michael Jackson's Bad in a uh, stage show of his. And I thought it was just really cool. So yeah, head over to the show notes and see that link. Let me know what you think. Okay, my find of the week is another remixed by Nick piece of work. This is not really a remix, actually. It's something very unique for Nick. Obviously, he has access to a lot of rare, awesome multi-track stuff. And what he's actually put out is a longer version of You Are Not Alone than what's ever been officially released. Oh, God. And I know this is your favorite Michael Jackson song ever, Q, so you'll be so happy about this. Um, Not at all. (laughs) I am totally in the minority with this. I know a lot of people don't like You Are Not Alone. I don't know. Really? I always feel like I'm the only one. No way. I I see lots of people online say that they don't like You Are Not Alone. In fact, on the um, I know I keep talking about the, <laughs> the Michael Jackson archives, but at the moment there's a really cool um, series of threads on there that Chris Lacey is starting where we're sort of all yes. jumping in and discussing each of the Invincible songs. And I think it was a few days ago we were talking about Cry and um, there were a bunch of people on there who agreed that You Are Not Alone is their least favorite R. Kelly MJ song. They prefer One More Chance and Cry over You Are Not Alone, which was really surprising to me because I thought like I personally love You Are Not Alone and it is one of my favorite MJ songs. So a bit of a difference of opinion there, but... Lucky for me, Nick has released a much longer version of it. Now, the normal CD version on the History album actually cuts out at 5 minutes 45. But on Nick's version, you get a lot more. You actually get 6 minutes 55 of You Are Not Alone. So, Q, when you're in those You Are Not Alone moods, you get to enjoy that song for a lot longer. (laughs) Now... There's a cool little ad lib at the end of the studio album. So it's fading right out and Michael's screaming something that sounds like, you know, you know that bit where he's like, not, not the end alone. You know that bit? Yeah. They use that a lot in the remixes. Yeah. And I've always sort of thought, why did they fade there? Michael's just right getting into it at that moment. I've always wondered what sort of comes after that. Like, what did they cut out? But it's, you know what, you'll be surprised. It's not really a lot. There's not a lot of MJ vocals after that bit. It's basically a minute and a half of more You Are Not Alone instrumental. And it sort of breaks down into a little beat breakdown thing. And you feel really nourished by the end of it. Like you've really, you know, heard a lot of the You Are Not Alone instrumentation. Could have done with a little few more MJ vocals in there. I can see now why they faded it out at that point because he sort of stopped singing a lot there but um yeah it's cool and thanks nick for showing us that previously hidden you are not alone material there was um over on twitter who was it mike wilson actually sent me a link of uh he it's listed on youtube as a demo of you are not alone with r kelly um and i think i think there's some michael vocals i can't remember i only listened to it once a little while ago 
But then in the comments, people are saying, oh, it's not actually a demo. It's just someone's got the sort of the, uh, the stems and have pieced this together. So I'm not sure if it is a legit demo, but that was interesting to hear because it was very, you know, no verses. It was only with uh, choruses. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard that, that particular one. I have heard R. Kelly sing on demos like Michael Jackson and he has oh, just an absolutely uncanny Michael Jackson impersonation ability. It's he's a really good MJ singer. <laughs> I wonder how long until he's caught up in this uh, like Hollywood Harvey Weinstein scandal. Well, he was sort of caught all up the in stuff. it long ago. <laughs> yeah, well, there's 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 still stuff happening. There's still reports of him having these girls basically Im- not imprisoned, but in like a little almost like a little cult. So yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so that's our finds. Where? Well, that's that's it. <laughs> that's the show. <laughs> we did the show. We did a show. It's yeah, been good yeah. doing a show just with you. Um, we played some pretty cool songs this one, and I wanted to give a special special shout out and thanks to uh, Malk Jennings. Yeah. Uh, over on Twitter. He is at RoboMJ. Let's spell that um, one out because it's a bit hard to... R-O-B-O-E-M-J-A-Y. And while you talk about his incredible song, which I have no doubt will definitely win the Twitter poll with flying colors, I'm going to actually go and find his YouTube channel and I might also drop the details for that in too. So I'll let you say which song he did for us so what malk jennings actually did was he went and got the acapella version of smooth criminal that was released on the rare bad mixes album in the late 80s and he actually combined that with the london symphony orchestra's version of smooth criminal so it's pretty much exactly what it would sound like if michael was singing in front of an orchestra for Smooth Criminal. And I listened to it and I was just... this. I haven't been ex- as excited about a fan-made or official Michael Jackson thing for ages, like just as much as this. And it just showed me, like, I don't know whether this would... M- many fans would consider this respectful or not, but how awesome would it be if the London Symphony Orchestra was like commissioned to perform an entire Michael Jackson album or, or, you know, like a a series of his songs to be put on an album and they layered Michael acapella vocals over the top of that. I would, that is just that, for me, that would be so, 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 so cool and special. Like imagine a completely orchestral earth song, but with Michael singing over it. Um, so I think Malk did an awesome job. We went back and forth about a week on it because the first version he sent to me, the vocal was um, a little soft. So he went back and fixed that up. And the product that he's created now, I think, is really special. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. So thanks, Malk. You did a great job. Absolutely. It was very cool. I'm trying to find in the email one of our amazing listeners that I always love getting emails from actually said wouldn't that be an amazing album like an official release is to get get an orchestra in 
and do you know Michael's vocals over like something like the the London um, Philharmonic Orchestra that would be amazing yeah it's kind of like the idea we had in the day where um, Sony should have got the this is it band to perform the entire show start to finish and then just put Michael's studio vocals over the top of it and put it out but this is it would be a similar thing but it would be as if Michael did a, a whole orchestra show um, yeah, that would be amazing. So cool. I'm so sorry. I can't find it. I've got, we've got so many emails here and God damn, we get so much spam. Oh, I should reply to this one from American Express actually. It says account notification. Yeah, I better reply to that. That sounds important, Jamin. <laughs> um, yep, get onto that quick. So I'm so sorry. I can't find which email or which guy it was, but yeah i totally agree that was an amazing idea but yeah so his youtube channel is smooth mj smooth e m j a y and uh mal was actually for me like my favorite uh youtube mj mixer back in the 2000s and like sadly a lot of his stuff got stolen and republished by other YouTubers when they just stole these like video mixes and that sort of spoiled it. But I do see that there is a little uh, preview here for a, a mega mix on its way. Cool. And two, there's actually two previews. So, and I've heard the mix and it's amazing. Very so cool. there's some cool stuff coming, but yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, I can't wait to let you know that it won in a landslide, the Twitter <laughs> poll for the music tracks that we played in this episode. Uh, we also had another couple of tracks. We had Janet Jackson, No Sleep, um, Even When You Sleep, 86 Remix, and Michael Jackson's Working Day and Night, but the live version at Oslo in 1992. There you go. Some cool mixes. A couple of thank yous. Wanted to say thank you to Elise. Hello, Elise. We've had a great little uh, chat today and it was very good to hear from you. And also special thanks to you and Cody. Shout out to Cody Covington as always. And you'll probably be hearing more about them in the future. Definitely. I really want to thank as well Kathy E. Gill. Kathy E. Gill in Canada. DJ at D-F-U-I-A-V-A and J-H at Appleseed120 for your Twitter interactions and social media interactions with us lately. Thank you. Oh, I wanted to say thank you to JD over on Mixing History YouTube channel because he did a Q&A episode and he answered a whole bunch of questions, including a whole stack from me. And that, I really enjoyed that episode. That was really cool. Yeah, that wanted was to say cool. also that was fun. And um, just to thank you to Joe. Like he's probably not listening or anything, but to Joe Vogel, like, um, because the response to his episode has been massive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just wanted to say thank you for coming on. He's I got his book in the mail the other day that I bought off uh, Book Depository. And you know, there's another book we completely forgot about to talk about that actually has come out and I now have a copy of was the Jackson's legacy book yeah. I got in uh, mid October. I want to talk to you about that, but I also don't because I want to get a copy and read it without 
hearing anything oh, about you it. <laughs> you didn't get one no, when you were in I Brisbane? I didn't get oh, one. Oh, no. So, Damn. Yeah, maybe I'll go unmute and you talk about it. <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll um, maybe in the end of the year wrap up, yeah. we'll talk about it. Yeah, sounds good. I'd love to talk about it on the Christmas special for sure. Um, There's a great Christmas gift for anyone out there looking for MJ fans, like get the Jackson's Legacy book. Um, yeah, and also just a quick thanks again to Charles for your Q&A episode. It was really good of you to do that. You you um, recorded it, edited it. It was great. Thanks for saving our release schedule. Uh, like Q said, there's also another Q&A at JD's YouTube channel. So if you don't have enough Q&A awesomeness from Charles, jump over to JD's and have a listen to his Q&A. Um, I've got two as well. I've got two. Oh, yeah. I forgot about yours. <laughs> Even though I really Everyone enjoyed does. Them. <laughs> no, Everyone forgets no. about them. Q, I That's love fine. them. I love them. I promise. I, one, one of them's in season one and one was this season. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will. I will. You know what? The name of that season one episode, I really like the name of that. Just the Q of Us. Well, oh, yeah, that's right. Just the Q of Us. That you, was cool. You remember how the episode was before it was called Just the Two of Us and then it was Just the no, Q I of think Us? It, was it? I thought the one following was Just the Two of Us. Maybe yeah, Carly, the MK conf- cast historian, they, will remind us. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I don't know how she remembers the amount of detail about our episodes. It's so impressive. But, yeah, they were definitely consecutive episodes. But, yeah, yeah that was good. And maybe cool, there'll cool. be a J Q&A at some point this season. We'll see. We'll work on it. We've still got a couple of things we've had ideas for. And, like, yeah, the order of episodes that we plan changes a lot. But we'll try and fit that in. We always get in the same problem every year where we have, like, uh, say two months left to go which is four episodes but we've got like on our schedule like six or seven we have to record <laughs> we always have the same yeah, problem so <laughs> might not happen like that we'll see all righty all done thank you so much everyone for joining us and tuning into the mj cast your michael jackson and jackson family podcast and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as the MJ Cast. You can email us themjcast at iCloud.com. And we're a podcast, and Jamin's going to tell you where you can find us on podcast apps. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts if you're using an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac or whatever. Uh, you can find us there if you just search the MJ cast in Apple podcasts. You, if you're not using an Apple device, then you can use like, I guess you're using Android. So you'd have to find us on like the Google play store or probably the most popular app that Android users to uh, users have to listen to us is Stitcher radio, which is multi-platform. So jump in Stitcher search for the MJ cast. And we're on Podbean and a bunch of other places like that. You've got a link on um, the page that goes to the Android information, haven't you? Yeah. Like by far, most of our listeners are Apple, like 75% or something. But if you are an Android listener, chances are statistically based on our stats, you're probably streaming us on our website. But if it is possible to listen to podcasts on Android phones, you can do it. You just have to download an application to do it. And to, the easiest way to do that is like Q just said, you go to our website, there's like a little button in the top right corner that says subscribe on Android, click that and it will show you heaps of different apps you can get. Choose one of them, download it, subscribe in there and you're away. Sweet.
If you're going to be hashtagging, talking about this episode, please use the hashtag the MJCast EP70, the MJCast EP70. And that way we can interact with you and, and read all of your tweets about it. Sounds good. And time for me to go and do some housework. Time for me to go and have some lunch. <laughs> I'm starving. Enjoy. Thank you. Everybody, enjoy your fortnight ahead. We'll be back with another episode soon. Keep Michaeling. Michael on. Michael on.